Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Just like that, the final hour is here on the Tuesday edition of Pot Mike with Hutton Withrow. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. We will get into some NFL overreaction uh, discussion based on the first two weeks going into week three. It kicks off on Thursday in San Francisco uh, as the Giants will visit the 49ers. Chad, uh, fast-paced show today, and that continues. Uh, Joining us on the Outkick Network, and you can catch uh, his show, the Kershling Baseball Show, every Tuesday and Friday, episode 58, available right now. And we always enjoy uh, the conversations and stories uh, each and every time we have the chance to say hello to Kurt. Kurt, hope things are well, man. They are. I want to start the show up by saying that I went 4-0 and in fantasy football this weekend, so I'm feeling very, very good. Why uh, Why? Four, why four leagues and not five, Kurt? Uh, okay, I went 5-0. and I didn't want to say five because five sounds more obsessive. But yeah. I can't keep up with all of it, man, if I do more than like two. I got to tell you, I, I'm – I'm crushed by the injuries and not because they're personal, but I hate, I hate yeah. to see the stuff happening that, that to the degree it does. And Chubb yesterday was, Oh, mm, terrible. Hey, uh, speaking of injuries, uh, Otani, that's a topic on your recent uh, podcast and your show. He's cleaned out the locker. Where's he headed? And what do you make of the timetable here, Kurt? He's headed home. Uh, number one and number two, he will not be resigning in Anaheim. Absolutely. No, there's little to no chance of that. So, um, <clears throat> very awkward, <clears throat> excuse me, situation when you get baseballs. I don't know how many people know this. When you get hurt during the season, uh, you show up to the ballpark and rehab or you have surgery and rehab. Now there's a, a only a couple of weeks left in the season. So maybe the situation is a little different, but you don't clean your locker out and leave. That doesn't happen until after the season's over. So uh, uh, very curious as to why and how that happened. I can't imagine that the team told him to do that. Um, but I, I think it's pretty safe to say he will not be an angel next year for by any stretch of the imagination. And <clears throat> the sooner he has the surgery, the better, uh, in my opinion, if he wants to be a two-way player. Well, there's definitely something behind the scenes going on there. Do you think it could be that he's pointing the finger or is, is someone's pointing the finger at the, the angels for why issues happen with him? No, I don't. No, I don't think that's it. I, I, it's Major League Baseball in the in the background and all the stuff is no different than the real world from a business perspective. People that are in positions of power shouldn't be sometimes. Mm-hmm. People that are in positions of authority shouldn't be sometimes. And people do really stupid things. Um, and, and the problem is that there's a there's a, a microscope from the the the, the uh, media perspective looking at it, i found it funny that no one in the media it just shows you how little these beat reporters know about like him cleaning out his locker is not a normal thing yet no one reported on it other than it was cleaned out and, and i thought that that was very telling about the uh kind of the baseball iq of the writers out there but um i don't think anybody's pointing fingers i think he's just done with it and uh i don't think they had a problem with it i guess so the Braves clinch the division in Philly, winning three out of four, and then they promptly lose four straight games, uh, going for a fifth possible straight loss tonight. Uh, 
Um, how much does it matter at this point? I know there's still four games up for home field throughout the National League playoffs and the Dodgers. You want to knock that out and clinch that as well. But after you clinch, Kurt, how important is it to stay in a winning mindset throughout late September as you get ready for a postseason push? I don't I don't think you change your mindset. I, I mean, certainly things change, right? Because you've clinched, you're making the playoffs, guys are going to sit and get some rest, and you're going to play some kids. Excuse me, although a lot less now with the change in the roster rules for September than it used to be, which I don't think is a, a really necessarily a good thing. But I, the, the little streaks after you clinch are not really relevant unless you clinch like the first of September and you've got 30 days. I, I just there's this sweet spot of time between clinching and the playoffs, and I'm not sure what that is, but there's too long and too short. Right. I mean, if you look over in the American League, you've got Baltimore and Tampa that may play till the final day of the season for that division. That's tough to do to, to play because basically every game between now and the time it's clinched is a playoff game. So you've got 12 to 13 consecutive playoff games and then you have a day off and then you have playoff game number one coming. That could be taxing. Is it does it matter if the Orioles don't win the East? Is it? Oh, God, yes. OK. Oh, yeah, listen, the 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 difference in who well, let's put it, why because whoever wins the East has a bye. Right? I mean, they have a bye that, that that that's that's not even in 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 discussion. Whoever wins that division has a bye. That is huge for one of those two teams. And I do love the fact that it puts emphasis on winning the division, but but one of those teams is going to be playing uh Houston or Texas. Uh and it and whoever wins the division is not going to be so I, I got, I, I, yes, I think it's incredibly important to win that division and absolutely essential for one of those two teams if they want to get to the World Series. Yeah, and I, I, I realize the common sense aspect of it too. You right. want to win to get the buy, but just from like the the the, the, the all season long they have been right. at the top, and then right. and then they're caught at the very end. Is there a psychological aspect to it? Well, I see what you're asking, and and I I think that the larger overall picture is. You know, okay, it, 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 if you have a good manager, listen, it is what it is. We didn't win the division. Our playoffs start Tuesday. Yeah. You don't, you don't dwell on stuff like that because it really is. I mean, October is a new season and a new schedule. It's like hockey in a sense, mentally. You you clear out. Nothing matters. Nothing matters from the divisional perspective and who got what, who's home field advantage. On Tuesday, the playoffs start, and that's the, that's the season. Is there a team that maybe is not even in one of the wild card spots right now, but close to it that has a chance that you are really rooting for because, Kurt, you would want to see them in October. You want to see them play in postseason, maybe out of curiosity or just a team that you've liked throughout the season that you want to see get that chance? Uh, not really. I mean, the, the National League is the only place where I think you've got ambiguity, right? I mean, there's five five teams uh, within two games and – you know, San Diego holding out five and a half, probably out of it, but nobody, I mean, all the teams, <clears throat> I, I know no one's <laughs> one of the teams that I haven't heard anybody talk about is the Cubs. I mean, the Cubs right now today ends, they're in the playoffs and I haven't heard anybody mention the Cubs. Yeah. And those are the teams that tend to like screw everybody's first, first week of the playoffs up because they end up winning a series. And it's like, wait a minute, I didn't even know they were here much less going to the next round. So um, the Reds, the Cubs are going to be interesting. I think all of the National League wildcard teams are going are going to be potentially interesting with potential to be there at the end. I just don't 
understand how anybody's going to be able to get through Atlanta in a seven-game series. I really don't. So speaking of Atlanta, John Smoltz said something that raised a lot of eyebrows recently, and you, and you would know better about he this than anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, watching Spencer Strider calling a game, he said, this guy at this point is, in his career is ahead of every great Braves pitcher in history. And you could tell there was a bit of a moment of silence after that. And the guys doing the broadcast said, really? And he stopped himself and said, I sucked when I started out. In baseball, he said, I had to learn how to do this. I had to learn how to be a pitcher. So I said, I'm speaking for myself, and he knows the other great Braves pitchers pretty well also. And he said, I talked to these guys. They would say the same thing as to where this guy is right now in his career and his understanding of pitching. Do you buy that, Kurt? Yeah, well, from him, yes. I mean, he was there. He saw it. And and as pitchers, we tend to have an understanding when we're watching other pitchers of you know, younger pitchers, baseball IQ, and how did they get it? And and you can watch just little things you can watch, nuances of pitching that you can watch to understand whether a guy is ahead or behind the curve. Uh, and if he says it, I'll believe it. I mean, he's a, he's a Hall of Famer, played with a couple of Hall of Famers who were who were in. And, you know, you look at Maddox's first year, you look at Glavin's first year, first two years. There was a learning curve and he has really had his learn. He's won during his learning curve. Which And, you know, he's also had a, a benefit of being on an enormously good team. You know, the only downside is that mustache just wears me out. I I, I just so desperately <laughs> want looks, to see that gone. It looks fake. Yeah. It, 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 it looks like a movie prop, but at the same time, <laughs> when you're that good with that much stuff, uh, you can pretty much do what you want with your facial hair. Charlie Chaplin, uh, pitching for the Braves yeah. there. Uh, Kurt Schilling, our guest, uh, host of the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show, you can catch on the Outkick Network. Uh, available right now, episode 58, every Tuesday and Friday is when you can find that. Uh, so Tampa announces that they've struck a deal with the stadium uh, in St. Petersburg. Um, two things. Number one, is this good for the Rays, good for MLB, that baseball remains in the Tampa area? Number two, when I, I'm not trying to be uh, highbrow here. But when I see the proposed and an agreed upon price of $1.3 billion, I'm thinking uh, the Titans here in Nashville, Kurt, are building a $2.5 billion stadium that's going to be tiny as well. And the Rays are basically moving into a, a different version of what they have. I'm sorry for thinking right. that, but, and I know it's a lot no. of money, but that's what I, you're right. that's what I think. Well, you're, 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 this is good for nobody. It's not a market that's ever going to support Major League Baseball. And this is an epically, I think this is a huge mistake. Um, but, and I think it's part, isn't that the Tampa thing part of a $6.5 billion renovation downtown or some insane number? Yeah, that's how they, um, yes, yes. I don't, I don't understand how they're continuing to do this with the economy and middle class being what it is. And I mean, this this economy is horrific. The, the, the middle class is getting crushed and devastated and these people are moving one to six and a half billion dollars around like they're playing Monopoly still. And I don't get that. But I, this is an absolute lose-lose for baseball and for St. Pete, only because St. Pete is not a Major League Baseball town and never will be. It, 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 I almost feel bummed out for Oakland, uh, Milwaukee to an extent, yeah. like actual good baseball markets yeah. that didn't get a but, deal like this done. And then it's Tampa, of all places, and that fan base right. that gets this stadium. Well, I think Oakland dried up. Yeah, I don't think Oakland is what it once was. I don't think we're looking at 73 Oakland anymore. I think we're looking at a crime-ridden, 
and I think that's across California. I think economics and and politics have destroyed that state, and the the businesses are rightly leaving. And and I don't blame Oakland one bit for 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 the franchise for doing what it is they've done. Although you have to put them on a short leash because I think for 20 years they've screwed their 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 fans with with tight payrolls when they didn't have to and all the other things that go with that. But that's another story. But uh, I, I just look at this Tampa thing as a complete travesty and and. In many ways, I think it's just a whole, there's a billion and a half dollars for us to divvy up. Let's do it before somebody else does it. Kurt, we always uh, love reminiscing uh, through your uh, your memories and time in the league. Um, who was the play, who's the player that comes to mind on all the great teams, solid rosters that you played for and with that you just knew this time of year he, he would turn it on, regardless of how he was playing during the season, regardless of what was going on, he was going to be ready when playoff time rolled around? Well, I mean, I, I hate to give an obvious answer, but David Ortiz, I mean, you knew he was going, you know, he he was a good player anyway, but it was the amazing thing about David was as good of a year as he had, you knew he was going to be better. And and to some extent, Manny, because I think Manny was so aloof that he didn't realize October 1st wasn't like April 15th. Um, and so he didn't, Manny never took pressure to at bats. So he hit in October the way he hit in September and July. But David was going to step it up, and you knew it. And and it didn't seem possible, but it happened year after year. But he was the one guy. Lenny Dykstra was another one who you knew uh, when the cameras were on, he was going to be better than he was. Um, not a lot. Not a lot of guys that you could count on like that. What What's the better mentality that you found over your course of, of years playing? Guys who – treated every game the same that did not get too emotional or too up for the playoffs. And it was just like a game in mid June or the guys that elevated and thought about it differently. Once they got to postseason, the guys who had 35 homers and drove in 135. I mean, at the end of the day, you stopped caring about all that other stuff when the numbers were there, like Manny's stuff in Boston, when he was going through and being Manny, being Manny, nobody cared because he was hitting 335 with 45 homers and 135 RBIs. When you stop, when you when you stop out producing your attitude, then it gets tiresome and boring. And then you start caring about stuff. You know, JD Drew had the, a legacy of not caring and being nonchalant. Look at his numbers. He put up numbers. I never cared about stuff like that. I mean, you know, there were clubhouse things and, and discussions, but at the end of the day, as you get older, you stop caring about the the trivial stuff. You stop caring about all the stuff the fans care about. Because at the end of the day, I wanted Manny to go two for three with a walk and two homers. And so if he had to do something uniquely Manny before the game, so be it. I didn't care. You mentioned Lenny Dykstra, and I'm thinking of the book Tough as Nails and <laughs> all of his appearances on Stern. Yeah. Quite the character. <laughs> yeah. Quite the character that nails. I thought he was always on. I thought he was always on, Kurt. Yeah, character is one word for it. I mean, he uh it's sad. It's a sad story, it really is, that to to see how far he's fallen um when I played with him and he was such a different person. Oh, and the way he played the game too. Yeah. You know, like Well, he played wow. the game the way he played life. And yes. that th you can't do that. <laughs> Kurt Schilling, always great. And uh the same can be said for the Kurt Schilling baseball show available at outkick.com and across the Outkick Network. Always enjoy this, Kurt. And uh, next time we'll, we'll be talking playoff matchups. Yeah, it'll be playoff time, it. guys. Yeah, man. All right. Take care. Have a Thanks, great week. Kurt. Same to you. You too. Kurt Schilling there. Yeah, I, I, I'm guessing there's not too many stories on Dykstra that can be told uh, in that same vein that 
you know, he would tell them. Dykstra would tell them, I'm saying. Only in a penthouse forum could you tell yeah. the, most of the stories in, in of Lenny Dykstra, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. HBO uh, After Dark. Yeah. If you haven't seen or read the book, you just flip to any page and you'll be entertained. I think uh, Lenny Dykstra's uh, uh, biopic would only be seen on uh, Cinemax back through the grainy TV <laughs> that teenagers would watch it on at 1 a.m. That's, that's the only way that would actually be shown. Yeah, uh, HBO. Getting uh, the illegal dark. channels where no it's, doubt, it's, it's just squiggly enough where you can see. I love his. I love his take too on the. Yeah, just be steady throughout. That's never speak for yeah, themselves. Yeah, the best best mentality. Are the guys who hit forty five home runs and batted three thirty. <laughs> those guys Alphas. always seem to have the best mentality even in the playoffs. No, no, makes doubt. sense. Yeah, Kurt was one of those. But there are guys who like think differently about big moments, and other ones who just their their pulse is always the same. Just steady as can be, no matter what. And I guess it's whatever works best for the individual. He's right about Ortiz. Yeah. Big poppy. Coming up, uh, NFL overreaction. We'll discuss some moves made, some good play, poor play, and whether or not we're buying it going into week three. Plus, insane TV ratings for Colorado, Colorado State in a late matchup next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our thanks to Kurt Schilling, John McClain, and Jim Nagy for joining the show today. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow. Fast-paced. Hopefully it's been for you as well, whether you're watching or listening. Flown by. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Did the Colorado-Colorado State game fly by for those that stayed up late? People are telling Dion good morning in the presser. Um the ratings certainly show that. We were comparing numbers for for uh, the two games last week, Texas and Alabama, and what we saw for a uh, big noon kickoff too um, with Colorado and Nebraska. And Chad, I'm I'm not stunned because there's a there's an audience, especially on a Saturday night, that'll stay up late or they're getting home from the bar, or their own game. Who knows? And, you know, you're still a little bit wired and you don't want to shut it off yet. But did you expect 8.2 million viewers at 2.15 a.m.? Well, it's more than, I mean, it's more than just that, too. Two, the 2.15 a.m., 8.2 million. I'm just million late. Late It's huge, but, I mean, it's all late. Uh, it's, it started at 10, after 10 o'clock Eastern time. Yeah, but this is. This thing kicked off. This is due to one program, though, as we know. Oh, I'm, just, of I'm just thinking of the. This is Hutton. This is the fifth most watched college football game in ESPN's history, I, and it started at 10, that, 12 p.m. Eastern time. It's the most watched late night game ever. Shatters any previous record on ESPN College Football After Dark late night. The game peaked at over 11 million viewers, uh, averaged 9.3 million over that time. It was more than one million viewers bigger 
than the peak audience of any college football game on Saturday. So, and this happened late at night. Now, here, here's where my mind goes with it. Think about if Tennessee and Florida was a close matchup down to the wire and it rolls into this. I'm willing to bet the Tennessee, Florida, and probably Georgia, South Carolina, when South Carolina was ahead, are the two top candidates to be the most watched mm-hmm. throughout the day on uh, on Saturday. But still uh, over a million less than no, no. Colorado, Colorado State. But I, I'm saying like if Tennessee, Florida were – but it was a tight game that – Ends and then you go straight into Colorado, Colorado State. Oh, it would have been more. I, yeah, I, I don't know. You clearly that, get that audience, but it it grew. I have a hard time believing they could get any more than they did. I mean, that is just remarkable numbers for ESPN in that game. And it's kind of the chicken and the egg. Also, I see a lot of people saying, you know, what is the prime effect? Well, this is the prime effect this game. Well, it's also the effect of countless hours of promotion from everyone. College game day. On ESPN, the final hour had over 3 million viewers. It is the third most, it's the most watched September college game day since 2010 on Saturday. But my point is, everyone is giving publicity to Colorado Deion Sanders. So it's kind of everything funneling up to these big marquee games now that involves this celebrity program. But you you don't even need to wait until game day, uh, meaning college game day, to get the advertising and the promotion because McAfee has the rock on. Yeah. And then WWE SmackDown on Fox is in Denver. So they're promoting both. So the rock ends up on SmackDown, but in the meantime, he's, he's putting over prime time and, and the buffs. And then after the game, you have Shador get to the podium and mention, you know, he's in, he's in Brady mode. And then Tom Brady has, Shador Sanders and Dion on the Let's Go podcast. Well, and someone brought up in our YouTube chat, um, David says, wait until you see Colorado, Oregon in the 3.30 Eastern window this Saturday. That is going to shatter some numbers also. Now 3-0 and Colorado, uh, but taking on Oregon. Just, just final thought, though. That is realistic to shatter numbers. The fact that the late, like when I say 2.15 a.m. Eastern, they're pulling that type uh, of audience. It, it's crazy. That, that's going to still be more surprising to me than what they do in the, the 3.30 p.m. window this coming weekend. Yeah, Ali says it's been quite a spectacle, no doubt about it. Also doesn't hurt that normal powerhouses have been underwhelming thus far. I, I think that's correct. Yeah. There's no real dominant power that everyone's looking at right now. I mean, George is the two-time defending champion. They haven't lost yet. Uh, but didn't look the same against South Carolina. I mean, Colorado is the story. There's, it's really simple. They're just the biggest and, story and, in college football, and, they, and everyone wants to see what's next. It, it started with the win over TCU and has not stopped. Did you guys see the top-rated markets, or the top five? Uh, it's a lot of southern markets from what I saw, right? So Denver led the way, which that makes sense, at mm-hmm. 16.3, followed by Birmingham at 13.7, Knoxville 10.0, New Orleans 9.3, and Tulsa at 8.7. But those typically carry the college football market and television audience anyway. There's a reason why Pac-12 After Dark isn't pulling this on a routine basis, even though they're out in L.A. You know, they yeah. Birmingham is always like the number one or number two college football market every weekend. Yeah, Knoxville's up there also. Big college football towns. That's still incredible numbers. And they're watching a three three nothing game down. Well, there's a story that came out also (laughs) down in South Florida. I try to hold back a sneeze here. 
You're doing a story well. that, thank you. I've been doing it for three hours, so you're welcome. <laughs> Somehow, you have to sneeze on air. So this is, uh, I should win an ESPY for my performance today. This is an Arthur Ashe Courage Award that you're witnessing. So inspirational. The fact that I've held back a sneeze for the entire show. Uh, Jerry Jones apparently got, there's this, came out a podcast, got Deion Sanders to interview at Arkansas when they hired Sam Pittman before he was at Jackson State. Deion Sanders was interviewed for the Arkansas coaching job. Now think of the alternate reality where Deion Sanders is calling the Hogs before going to Jackson State and doing his thing at Arkansas. At this point, they wouldn't be losing to BYU at home. No, I mean, it, now I think the Jackson State step in the process helped oh, him yes. fully become yes. who he is at Colorado. So if you take that part out, it's different. But that, that's fun to think about. Well, the whole story is made by that because even Shadur Sanders, who's playing at the HBCU, is like, oh, this isn't Power Five. Yeah. We're about to find out if he's a Power – yeah. Yeah, the you know, more overlooked. Than that. More than that. Yeah, underrated, that whole thing. Uh, Chad, not – we, we certainly uh, underrated Colorado going into the season. Overreaction would be that they're going to win the conference. Uh, what's going to happen in the NFL? There's plenty of overreaction right now as – we head over to Davey Hudson with more uh, questions and uh, opinion about teams that are 0-2 or maybe 2-0 right now. Guys, it's simple. Going to give you a statement. You tell me if it's an overreaction or if it is a realistic one. And we're going to start off, you know, Monday Night Football last night. The Browns made a mistake in trading for Deshaun Watson. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's this, not an overreaction. At this, at this point, it's, yeah, I mean, eight games, 11 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Uh, is there a – not only did they make a mistake in trading for it, I mean, this year they made him a captain. He's wearing the C on his jersey. And yeah. he's, he's playing like he did last year uh, in, in terms of impact on the game. He's, he's also he's helping the other team. killing every other quarterback that wants the fully guaranteed contract with his play, in part, because now it's very yeah. easy for owners to say, oh, you mean you should be like the dude who's failing in Cleveland when they gave him that dumb contract? Yeah. They can point to that and say, well, that was a big mistake. But I, I would say that what's failing that is Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Joe Burrow not demanding it. And Lamar Jackson, who tried but was laughed at. Yeah. But it, it's not an overreaction. No. It was a mistake. Shout out Jimmy Haslam for being a trailblazer. Next up, Baker Mayfield is actually good. Yeah, he's good. He's not great. I don't think that he was ever. He's good, not great. I never thought. Oh, but, I, I, let me tell you the back. I thought he was fully cooked in, in Carolina. When that didn't work out. Okay, I'll, I will rephrase this now. Okay. Baker Mayfield is a franchise quarterback. No, he's not a franchise quarterback. No, probably not. He is now the Kirk Cousins level when Kirk Cousins left Washington. Yeah, he's okay. I, I thought that he was going – I thought he still had something left when he goes to Carolina, but, hey. right, from Cleveland. I thought, okay, he can now have a reclamation project of his career. Didn't work out there. Then I thought he was cooked. And then now, I saw him with Sean McVay, and he was a little bit better. And now I see him, and I think, man, he's okay. He's not a guy I'm hanging my franchise on, but he's okay. So I, he's good, but not, not a doing, franchise guy. Yeah, you're not doing what they do with Kirk Cousins. But isn't it interesting uh, when those guys, like Cousins or Mayfield, actually have receivers, legit receivers in the room, what happens with the perception of that quarterback? They've got it in Tampa. Guys still remain from Tampa from the Brady uh, era and even prior to that and, th and those guys have been good with regardless of which quarterback they're playing with it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh when Fitz Magic first came to life did that in Tampa had those 
two games early yeah. on, and, and then you're like, oh, wow, they, he but, might actually be having a but resurgence. Franchi- I, I, I like to rephrase this because franchise quarterback means you've got a legitimate chance at the Super Bowl. Baker Mayfield is not that guy. No. Um, and, and Kirk Cousins doesn't seem to be that either, but Justin Jefferson is different than any receiver in the league when yeah. it comes to that. Baker Mayfield, to me, is Matt Hasselbeck. Okay. He's the bridge guy that when the Titans signed Matt Hasselbeck, he was a really good quarterback for what they needed at that time in their franchise. That's what Baker Mayfield is morphing into, a late career Matt Hasselbeck. All right, well, the Chicago Bears are hoping that Justin Fields can be their franchise quarterback, but do the Bears need to move on from Justin Fields? I'm going to say yes. I, I do not see it with this guy. He's been given opportunities. I say that, but I think Matt Eberflus is awful. So he's going to get fired soon. And maybe you give one more shot with someone else, but I, I don't think Justin Fields has it, and I thought he was going to be something when he came into the league. Well, so I think they should move on. I don't think they should move on. I, I think they should let Justin Fields play with the identity that he should be playing with. Luke Getze, uh, the OC, and I, I'm with Chad on Eberflus. They're trying to make him into this pocket passer. Uh, and last season, he's a, he, he rushed for nearly 1,200 yards. And he had 10 touchdowns doing so. I, I let him let him cook. Let Russ cook. Let Justin Fields be Justin Fields, and they'll be much better off for it. Uh, the Bears are currently on a 12-game losing streak, and they're the only team in history that's allowed at least 25 points in every single one of those contests over that streak. They got a lot coming. And that kind of leads me into the next point, which is, uh, you know, the, look at them, 0-2. Uh, is it time to start that tank? But for this next question, no 0-2 team will make the playoffs this season. I'm going to say overreaction. I've got a graphic up. I think there's one that will do it. Right now of um, teams that are currently, this would be the order of the draft for teams that have yet to win a game this year. Uh, Denver leading the way, but Chicago at two. They also own Carolina's pick. So uh, depending on how the Panthers do, uh, Chicago could could be in the, the Drake May uh, or Caleb Williams sweepstakes. This this is a flashing light overreaction uh, because uh, seven of the last ten seasons, a team that has started 0-2 has made the postseason. Last year, eight of the 14 playoff teams started the season either 1-1 or 0-2. And the Bengals were one of the 0-2 teams, and they ended up winning the AFC North. So it, it's way too early to assume an 0-2 team is cooked, especially with the extra game that changes the, the percentage of the playoff opportunity, at, extra game of the regular season, and the fact that we now get seven teams from each conference that are uh, available to reach that postseason potential. Yep. Overreaction. Next. And finally, it's time to start the tank. Which team needs to actually go all in and work on the future of their franchise. I'm going to go a little bit off the board here. Okay. I've got a, a, a and or proposition. Okay. Uh, it's the Vikings or the Patriots. Vikings are moving on from Kirk Cousins after this year. They made that clear with no contract extension before the year. His contract is up after this year. Uh, they're 0-2. They don't have that close game magic they had a year ago. They would be wise to get one of these great quarterbacks if this is, in fact, going to be a classic quarterback class coming into the league. They're a tank possibility. also don't buy Mac Jones. I think the Patriots in this division could end up having a miserable record this year. Could, yeah. Might not be a bad time for them to tank as well. So, 
I'm not I'm not going to list anyone yet other than Arizona at 0 and 2. Um and it's not for the reasons why like the playoff opportunity that the coaches want to save their job. I, I understand what the question is 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 pondering. Um the Vikings at 0 and 3 would be my answer. Uh, they're taking on the Chargers at home this week because Kirk Cousins isn't back based on the money allocated to other spots. But I'm also not I'm not certain if I'm a, a, a franchise right now about going ahead and, and thinking that way based on the fact of the quarterbacks that are available. And do I want a guy who's he's he and his dad are already talking about, like just coming back in case the team that's eligible to draft and he doesn't want to play there like that, that I got to Has anyone seen Caleb Williams play this year? By the way, Heisman Trophy winner last year. They'll watch him when he plays Colorado. Of course. <laughs> That'll but, be the but, first time. But think about that. Uh, and the assumption is he's just the the heir apparent to the new uh, Trevor Lawrence or Andrew Luck or whatever. And more power to him. He's great. But, I mean, I, is he going to come in and demand that Lincoln Riley comes with him? I, I'm not willing to tank at 0-2. And I don't know why Arizona shouldn't even be an answer here. Because he clearly doesn't want to play for them. I think he's talking about the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals should roll with Josh Dobbs from what I saw on Sunday. He was rolling over people. Pretty good Pretty good performance. I like Caleb Williams, but man, I, you're going to put everything into him being your franchise quarterback when he may not even want to play for you. Stay tuned. More next. Sixth and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, the site for our Outkick Studios. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. One Rolls more on. segment to hold back this sneeze, everyone. Did One you? more segment. Can I make it? Can yeah. I make it? Chad even held it back during the break. I'm going to blow four sneezes on the walk to my, <laughs> to my truck. Yes, I drive a truck. Shocking, I know, to everyone out there. I'm not stunned uh, by The this. moment the show ends, mentally, I'm just going <laughs> to let loose. I'm just going to – I'm not even going to put my hands out. I'm just going to sneeze all over everyone in the walk out of here. It's going to be glorious. Did you know – It's going to feel like such a release. If any – Talking about it right now has me salivating for that sneeze. I, I, I didn't know this. I never, I never thought about this for the longest time. You mentioned sneezing. I feel like Davey Hudson for the fact of the day. Did you know you cannot sneeze in your sleep? So if anyone – is pretending to be asleep or you perceive them to be asleep and they sneeze, they are awake. I have awoken to sneezing. No, you woke I you woke, woke up to, to sneeze. sneeze. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I had to wake up to sneeze. It, I didn't do it in my sleep. You can cough and snore and all that, but like can't sneeze. There was a uh, I, my my daughter's big into riddles right now. Isn't that weird though? That is crazy. My daughter's big into riddles, so we were at dinner the other night. She always wants me to just search riddles. Or dad jokes to give to her and then present to the table. And a riddle the other night was, what is the one answer you can never answer yes to? And the question is, are you asleep? Oh. It's like, that's pretty good. There you go, good. And everyone sat for a second and thought, that's, that's deep. It's a, great, <laughs> it's a great riddle. I got plenty more where, that, where those came from. Hutton, I can't, I, everyone out there knows the feeling. If you've got bad allergies or a cold or whatever's going on with me, it's allergies right now. In fall, it's even worse. That sweet release of the perfect sneeze at the perfect time when you can just walk away and just just let it out. 
two or three of them yeah. in a row. And if you have allergies, the best seasons are the worst time for it. It's always spring, middle of spring, summer, and as fall well, spring, is fall, about yeah. to roll in. Fall is worse for me than spring. Every every year, and fall is my favorite season. This is not my favorite part of fall, though. The the need to sneeze at all time. Tom Cruise has the need for speed in Top Gun. I have the need to sneeze. Chad, uh, there will be lawyers in regards to everything with uh, Michigan State and the termination of Mel Tucker's contract uh, and uh, his employment as the the head coach of the Spartans with cause uh, because uh, Mel Tucker, uh, Michigan State, uh, former now former coach Mel Tucker, uh, released a statement following the university's announcement of their intention to fire him with cause and he's claiming that other motives are at play uh, more than than allegations that were going on uh, currently. And uh, through uh, his statement about uh, his termination, Michigan State knew about the information on which it supposedly relied to in my contract since at least March 2023. Uh, that's one part of this that I've circled because this Title IX complaint and investigation wrapped up in July and he did start the season as the head coach of the Spartans and they didn't have that emergency Sunday meeting at 5 p.m. with reporters until after it got public and went public. So I, I think he's got a, a case there about the fact that they, they've known about this and not until it went public did, did they, uh, they care to do anything about uh, his status as head coach. And he also goes on in a statement to say that uh, MSU cut off any semblance of interest in the truth or due process by terminating me weeks before the hearing. I chalked this up to another about face. Now, in that, last week he's saying that the hearing is a sham. And now he's pointing to the fact that they're terminating him before the hearing took place. So uh, which is it there? If it's a sham, then what difference does it make on the timing of it? It's a sham. I mean, I, I believe that this is a, a, a convenient way for them to get rid of Mel Tucker and not owe that buyout so they can move on to a different coach. I, I, I truly believe that. Now, they, I think they also understand they're going to have public sentiment on their side. There's not a lot of people well, criticizing Michigan State right now for making this move because of the stupidity of Mel Tucker in this whole thing. Well, it, it also, though, like it does come – in the court of public perception and opinion, one person seems to be more believable than the other based on the fact that Mel Tucker originally said that it didn't happen to the Title IX investigator whenever he was asked about it. And then, you know, records show and receipts show otherwise on a work trip, and he had to then write a letter and explain his side of it, that it was, it was consensual and, you know, he, he regrets it and his decision-making. And, and he continues to double down on that in, in his uh, statement here. Um, but the, I, I just go back to the language in the contract. It is so vague and wide open. And they do that for a and, reason. But so, so when he says let, let they, he doesn't feel like he violated the terms of the contract. Well, the terms of the contract are worded so that when this does go public, they can do exactly what they did. Um, but you're right about the the other end of this. 
if Mel Tucker is where Michigan is right now, if Mel Tucker is leading a program that's winning and on, not just on the upward trajectory of when he received the contract, but expected to compete for the Big Ten championship in the college football playoff, uh, they're letting this process play out. They're not terminating him with cause after week three of the college football season. Yeah, it's um, if they felt like Mel Tucker lived up to that gigantic contract, he, I think he would be defended by his university right now more. They would at least hear out his side of the story a little bit more, but he hasn't lived up to that contract on the field. His teams have not produced the level of a guy making what he was making at Michigan State, so they're trying to get rid of him. Uh, another uh, statement, the investigation is designed to determine if I violated policy. I did not. But regardless, basic fairness requires that process play out before any sanctions are determined. That's a, another part of, of his statement. And again, there will be lawyers. Translation that he's going to sue to try to get some of that buyout back. Yep. Uh, SMU, they raised more than $100 million in one week to prep for the, uh, the ACC future. It's good to have oil money. Oil money. It's good to have oil Big money. Oil money. And this is also why they can make the 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 push and they they can put forth this uh, negotiation with those that were voting no that then turned around and voted yes and that was for Cal and Stanford for the ACC. Now SMU was brought on the table too and they made their pitch and they get in and they made their pitch by saying we're not going to take any money from the media contract for seven years. We don't want anything. And they can do that based on the backing of exactly what they just turned to. How many programs could do this? $100 million that quickly? That is a lot of money. That's impressive by SMU. And I know they've got some deep-pocketed alums and, yeah. and backers I mean, they that had program. Laura Bush, former first lady. But isn't that lobbying that's, for them. That's still a significant amount of money to raise that quickly. For their ACC future. Good job by them. The, the other part that I, I just want to know, I would love to know the background of, and, and part of it is their, their contract where they're locked in, where they're not. But if you can go to the well and pull this at Southern Methodist, why, why do it now and not be more proactive and jump earlier if you could? You see what I'm saying? Like it, it's... It sounds like a desperate move now when it didn't have to feel that way. It could have been positioned where you could be the, the Colorado and the first to jump in instead of the last to, to latch on. But they've done that. They've latched on, and they made an offer that the ACC couldn't refuse. And it's good. Hey, but the other thing too, Chad, the ACC is now partnering with SMU and these funds they'll get the financial backing too because they had the back of smu yeah no it's uh it's a good move all around and money talks so that's why smu's there the uh, uh phil mickelson he's sharing his uh thoughts on um, gambling addiction and uh asking those that are betting on games across college football or nfl to uh, do that in moderation he's not betting on football this year Right? Because he's in treatment or he's in rehab or not wanting to do it. Yeah, but in the, like, wasn't it like three or four weeks ago he was admitting that he's always going to have the friendly wager uh, uh, in practice rounds? And 
you know, your random golf course betting. I mean, I would expect that from him, but you can't bet on a, a football game now because of that. He said, I won't be betting this year because I crossed the line of moderation into addiction, which isn't any fun at all. But Mickelson says the money wasn't ever the issue since our financial security has never been threatened. But I was so distracted, I, I was, wasn't able to be present with the ones I love and caused a lot of harm. This lack of presence has been so hurtful. $875 million. Uh, his current net, net worth is estimated to be $875 million. Don't want to gamble all that away. I guess he's saying that he uh, was so into gambling that he like, couldn't talk to his family because he'd be into the game he was watching or oh, whatever was well, happening. Yeah. So that's where it crossed the line. But you know, I, I just don't. But you can go on the course and bet, right? Yeah. I, I don't see if that's. I, I don't see how you can do one or. You, you can't do both, both things if you're going to say that, it, that you're trying to handle the addiction aspect of it. And by the way, whenever he bets on the course, he's probably winning. A huge percentage of the time, uh, Chad. I, I thought winning time on HBO was a massive hit. Now. It's, I, I'm judging this not on numbers. I'm judging, it would be tough to find probably. I'm judging this on how many people discuss winning time on HBO. And HBO is canceling winning time. Well, I thought a lot of people were into it, but I come in here in the studio every week and the three people that were watching it, I'm, I'm always way ahead of them. <laughs> they haven't uh, well, caught up on it. So maybe they weren't into the second season like a lot of people. The numbers weren't great in season one, but it was a terrific cast. It's a great story. Um, I think this show fell victim to a few things. One, it was too expensive. Shooting a period piece in L.A. with all production in L.A. is costly. This big of a cast and these actors, you got Adrian Brody, an Oscar winner, playing Pat Riley. John C. Riley as, as Jerry Buss. Um, Jason Clark as Jerry West. Really good cast. They all did a good job. It's highly entertaining. But when you get into rip from Wikipedia mode, which I think season two got into, you're telling a true story and it looks just like, all right, now we're going through the 1981 NBA finals and here's what happened. It can become hard to sustain. I was so disappointed though, because I watched this thinking that we didn't know the fate of the show, the series, and if it was going to continue and Hutton, they showed the season finale to season two. And then they did cryons at the end, the storyboards, the screens at the end that show what happened to every character basically saying the series is over. Then I go online immediately see, yeah, HBO confirmed right after the show aired that in fact that was the series finale and not a season finale. So they did it so kind of I last felt, minute? I felt hoodwinked. You think? And I feel cheated based on is what it, I know is going to happen in the rest of the 80s. Is it also in, in, in large part due to the writer strike or no? I think that's, that's got a part in it um, and the actor strike too, but if it was a huge hit, they would consider you know, continuing. I, I don't think it was. The numbers were never great for it. Um, The numbers, I mean, Succession was a big hit critically, and I love the show, but Succession was never a huge ratings hit to the level of a House of of the Dragon or Last of Us that HBO has produced. Yeah, but are they releasing their streaming numbers on that too? Are they? They, It's easier to get HBO numbers than it is um, Netflix numbers. But House of the Dragon, you know, uh, Game of Thrones, all that, they were telling us what HBO yeah. was pulling on cable. They're not, they're not saying a lot on this one. Yeah, but that, I think that a lot... That tells you it's not very good. Yeah, that's fair. I just hear about it a lot. 
I wish the show would have continued. I would uh, uh, look. You can only go watch two seasons now. It's over after two seasons. I highly recommend. Very entertaining. Uh, Very entertaining look at the start of the Showtime Lakers. An entertaining show tomorrow, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern, is where you can find us. Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Hope you'll join us for the Wednesday edition. Thanks for joining us today. We'll be back at it right here uh, over the three hours to get you to your evening. <laughs>